What's up, buddy? What's up, Kervin? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to see you good, again. Good. You too, we can man. see you and hear you pretty good already. So we're we're comfortable. Did you listen to our podcast last week? The one that came out today? <laughs> uh, no, I just saw it pop up, and, and okay. I, I didn't get to hear. I, Thank God. Okay, I am going to hear no and listen good. what what Toby said to you guys that you didn't listen. So then I yeah, can you don't want to know. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So so last week was a uh, a depressing episode. So we're going to follow it up this week with another possibly depressing episode. But we're glad oh, to have. No. <laughs> We're glad to have you on. I don't know if it's depressing or not. I mean, maybe things are, are t- make taking a turn for the best in the in the world, and you're gonna. No, I, I'm certain we're we yeah. are 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 we not? I mean, we we're all going to experience nuclear winter within what the next forty eight hours. <laughs> That's well, my biggest I mean, worry: is we're going to record this podcast, and then um, yeah, it won't get to come out. Nu- <laughs> nuclear war is going to break out before yep. it comes out. <laughs> Invalidate the podcast. Uh, yeah. I just I had the same thought of my phone just right here buzzing going off and <laughs> and, and then we break it and you guys can go live. Do you oh, have a true. do you have a that's personal true. plan for something like that? Like are you a prepper at all or anything because all you all you've been through? Uh you know, I always tell people to have a plan, always have a plan in place, know know where to go, uh know where what you're gonna do because you're only gonna have ten or fifteen minutes when when that alert hits to to get to safety if you can Good find safety. God. Um so we just moved into a new house, so I'm still working out that plan. But you know, we've got food, um, you know, MREs, those kind of things. Yeah, to, to kind of sit. So well, let's gonna... uh, let's reset here and start okay, a little yeah. earlier than getting in the bunker. <laughs> I want. I'm Man, a, what do you think? We start from the end. Well, come and go on, work our way back. Let's yeah, make sure people know things. who Kervin That's is. That's how we do let's it. Let's make sure people recognize Kervin. He went. Were you? He's on, the person that's letting you know you got 15 minutes to leave. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you want to know that information later? Yeah. Yes. Don't okay. yeah. tell me now. <laughs> get your MR. Pause the podcast. Get your MREs. Come back. And yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, the- Emory's going to start selling MREs on the uh, on our web store. Okay. MRE. So match with uh, marriage supply. You could do yeah. something marriage supply. MREs. Oh, yeah. There you go. Edible MRE. lube that will keep oh. you alive during nuclear winter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. We Kirby can't have sex. We got to eat that. <laughs> No, Kervin was on the big show talking yep. about Ukraine, Russia. I mean, when it was kind of early. That was right? really kind of early on. And yep. um, Kervin is. And it's is, still happening. Kervin, mm-hmm. you were a longtime listener to Bad Christian. Is that the case? If we reset yeah. all the way who you are and how yeah, we got yeah. connected? If, if we go all the way back, I mean, 2002 time frame, Emery's releasing incredible albums. Um, so I'm listening to those. And then, obviously, I mean, Bad Christian was probably the first podcast I ever listened to, going back to to the beginning of that. So, and some of uh, that was when you're deployed as a intelligence. Uh, your credentials, what is it, intelligence officer? I don't remember the details of it, but if you don't mind, yeah. So, 15 year Army veteran in intelligence analysis, um, plus uh, you know years after that. So, I'm 20 plus years of of intelligence analysis for the U.S. government, which obviously makes me part of the military industrial complex and so everything i'll tell you guys is just what the u.s government wants you to hear um <laughs> calm everybody down but you are you've been deployed how many years have you have you been overseas and deployed and stuff like that oh um too i guess too many to count you know i've been to iraq a, a few times been to afghanistan a few times uh made my trips around africa so like I think I've said before, if you see when when you're looking at 
who's listening and where they're listening from. If you see the little pockets of Africa, that was me just moving about <laughs> Africa, <laughs> listening to episode to episode. That's that's crazy. Um, and you now are independent. Like, do you? Ha- what is your? You know, your? How do you? What is your job now, as far as role, or or do you have a government role now? Uh, I do. I do have a daytime um, government role that is as an analyst, but that's in um, what's called personnel recovery. That's so that's part of my day job, which is returning hostages. What we say is, um, you know, returning people back to their families with honor. Uh, So so that's what we work on a lot in, in the day job. But I started up Oakland Analytics, which is a private intelligence company. Um, and I, I kind of call it a private intelligence community because I'm trying to make it in, I'm trying to make Intel, as we would like to say, or intelligence analysis um, more accessible to everyone. Because when you hear intelligence, you can think a hundred different things. Intelligence is mental acuity. Um, but what we're really talking about is information, data and information and compi- compile, compile all of that data and information and try to make a prediction or um, try to see something that's coming. Which is, you know, that's what happened when Russian troops were on the the -hmm. border of Ukraine. And we kind of I kind of saw that coming November, December time frame. And and then that happened. I think that after that happened, that's when I I hit you guys up and said, Mm -hmm. hey, would you guys like to know more about this kind of thing? Yeah. Um, And you guys were super gracious uh, having me on. And I can say your your entire audience. And I didn't I knew this was going to be the case because I'm part of that audience is just super gracious. I had quite a few people reach out and just said they really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to thank all those guys. Um, I know they're still listening to you. So yeah, I know there's you. a good crossover from it because people mention it to me from time to time, and or they're listening yeah. to your show, and I listen to it, you know, as well. I talk. Yeah, I have a listener question to ask you in a little bit, even. Oh, but here the, you go. <laughs> do yeah. I just want one more qualification for my curiosity? Is so the intelligence that you get, you just do your own independent things that you monitor scan network and all that kind of stuff but do you 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 don't have some kind of stuff where you're not supposed to say it or like you're allowed to say whatever you find out or think like what's your freedom level so as a um so back when i was in the army i had no freedom to put anything out there so a lot of the stuff i worked on was highly classified information that stays like what just give us one thing I'm just oh, joking. Man. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you still held to some silence on some of that stuff? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some things I worked on when I was at, at Bragg for the um, special operations, there's just stuff that I can't talk about at all. Would it blow like a, a regular person's mind? Some of the stuff you've seen? It could. Wow. Um, very much so. Not not trying to be right, right, right. or anything. No, no, like no, that. no, no. Yeah, yeah. My, I always said... Back when I was working there, I was like, as somebody who was a history major yeah, um, and loves history, I just said, you know, man, I'm making history now. I'm doing things that are actually creating history. Looking back on it, some of the things that we've created in history, I think maybe could have been the wrong thing. Um, so I kind of tried to get out of that realm of doing this in order to identify terrorists and kill them. Um, mm-hmm. So now it's kind of, what I'm, what I'm trying to do right now, which is uh, when I say private intelligence company, so it's, it's open source, it's unclassified. Um, the only thing is like the proprietary information that I get, you know, where I get that stuff from, how I compile it and how my analysis works. 
that's the only thing I wouldn't sort of branch out and, and tell yeah. others. But other than that, I try to get the information out there, you know, listening to the podcast each week. It's just trying here's here are what we would call um, our my wife, who's my co-host, she always says, what's on your radar this week? And, and it's exactly that. What's on what's on the radar? Yeah. What is popping off? Because these things happen. And as we saw with Russia and Ukraine, these things happen and it's not an isolated event. So you can go back months or even years and identify where it all started. Wow. And yeah, it pops can, into the news cycle like it just right. happens or whatever. But it's some things that are being monitored, you know. From whatever, and that's that's what I think is interesting about your podcast is. To, I mean, I don't know anything about intelligence or or anything like that, but it's like you there is. It doesn't feel like I'm listening to the news or I'm really listening to a personality or a platform exactly. It just, um, you know, and the thing that that really kind of makes me feel like I'm getting good information is you, you, when you express it, I, it, your voice has anxiety and nervousness in it. <laughs> not, you know, it's not that you're trying to just like be like a, a news person or something. You know what I mean? It just feels like a person worried about stuff, paying attention to stuff like that's And so to me, it feels like a, a good source, but I, you know, it's hard to know what information to ever trust or anything, but for whatever reason that you've been a listener of ours, and whatever that connection is helps me have trust. And then the way you deliver it, you know, like I said, I don't know how to, how to think of it, but, um, but anyway, that, that's just well, kind of, kind of the backdrop backdrop of it for me. It's, it's definitely focused on exactly. I appreciate you saying that, Matt, because that's exactly what I'm focused on is we're not trying to be the news. Uh, and when you watch the news, that's what you're looking at. It's a personality, you know, it's, it's somebody who's been doing this for years and they get paid to put on a, a good suit. They, they get paid to go in front of the camera and to to make these words pop off the screen in order to get viewers and to with the viewers, with the clicks on headlines, you're going to get money. So what we have in the U.S. is a for profit media organization or a conglomerate. All these we talk about Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, and they're all bitter and against each other. But quite honestly, they all love each other because that's what gets them their audience. Yeah, you know, if one can attack the other, it pulls in their audience. It it increases their audienceship and their listenership. What is the aim, though, of a private intelligence company? What does it do to make money, or like, what is that? What's the company? How does what does so people we, hire you for something? Yeah, so we work a lot. Um, when it all started, it was basically what's called protective intelligence, which is building travel reports for high level business owners, uh, whether it's CEOs or business travelers going all over the world, whether that's austere locations or just your regular, typical westernized nation, and giving them information that is going to keep them safe while they're on their travels. So I always tell a, I always tell a client or someone who wants to, to get a contract with us that I am here to keep you safe from, from airport to airport. So from from the moment you leave the airport in the U.S. to go where you are to the moment you come back, my report should be timely and accurate for every situation that you're going to come into. And it's I mean, intelligence analysis is a flawed science. It just is. We, we saw it for 9-11. We see it continuous. We see it continue to happen um, where there are these mistakes that are made. But it's human error until we can get machine learning and AI to come up to the ability of 
human consciousness, uh, it's just going to be flawed because of, of who we are as people and how our brains work. So you like somebody's going to some country and you like actually study the location and the, and what, where they're headed and the, you give them a detailed report about where they should go, shouldn't go, or it might be okay or something or what? Yeah. So we'll take the, the country and the city that they're going to. Yeah. Um, and just run through all the information, all the events, major events that have happened, paying special attention to um, elections. If there are elections coming up, because as we've seen, no country is um, is immune to having an election happen and things blow up. Mm. Uh, so that, that's very important. We, we get that information. And then what would happen in the case of this person wins or this person wins? That's a big one. Um, if like major holidays. Those will be big. And it's basically, you know, saying these are where protests are going to happen. These are the you can put out a heat map and see where the major protests happen, where they become violent. Yeah. Predictions and stuff like that. And and then just keep it in their mind. If if you get them the report and they can keep it on them and they can read it, you know, not day to day, but week to week and keep that on the front of their mind. um, You then create your exit plan because you already understand. You, you understand the seriousness of what could happen and and you understand as so many times I've seen before, don't don't go to the bar, get wasted and try to interact with people around you. It does not that does not go over well. Um, if you're in a situation with big groups, always have an exit strategy. Always know the quickest exit and um the the least violent way to get out of there but is this for just a regular person or somebody who is targeted or a target somehow or something like that like if a regular person goes on vacation they can't go to the bar they shouldn't go to certain country i mean i don't know what i don't understand well if you're so if you're going on if you're matt carter going on vacation going um, on a cruise here soon and and we're going to the most dangerous place in mexico Devin said (laughs) i didn't say that (laughs) you said that didn't you (laughs) No, I sent you an article that they got somebody to attack somebody with a machete. <laughs> in the town that we're going to be in? I, well, Mexico they said that was brutal. one of the risky areas. That's yeah. somebody, I, don't know. I thought it was anyway. the most dangerous place on earth. <laughs> well, you are going on the most dangerous place on earth. You're going to be on a cruise with a bunch of emo fans. Yeah. That's true. Um, be careful, Toby. We're going to need you to do an intelligence report <laughs> yeah, to know report how do I get to the buffet and back with the least amount Safely. of damage. <laughs> well, as somebody that's made that trip many times, I, I can guide you through that. But um, like you were saying, Matt, if it's if it's Matt Carter, not Matt Carter of Emory, but you're just going on vacation. Um, it's a little bit different because you're just out with family. You're there to protect your family. Um, so, so it's kind of a different analysis. Yeah, you can go you can go to the bar, you can go hang out, just understand, you know, which bars don't cater to who you are. You know, you're an American from Seattle. What are bars that prey on Americans? Um, What are and and then if you are Matt Carter, the guitarist from Emory, and you are going on a tour to, let's say, Germany or something, it's a totally different report because now you're you are the lead focus of the brand hell um, yeah the brand of emory the brand of I'm the, lead the it's all over pod yep. and you you cannot screw that up no, you, no. Can't, you, you know what can't, one time can't we can't afford we, to make a mistake we, we ended up in to. 
we ended up in the wrong bar in uh where's that real southern town in texas you remember that that was oh, very McAllen's. scary yeah McAllen. that was a mcallen yeah. we were it was, a it was outside town, of mount yeah. it was outside of mcallen or it might forget brownville or something i don't, I don't remember Anyway, I'm probably wrong about that, but I know it's way down there south, and we just were like, well, we're not doing anything. Let's go yeah. see what's around, and we saw this bar, and we're like, oh, let's just walk on in, and we walked into the bar, and it, and it felt more like Mexico, you know what I mean, in, in that moment, and but I was like, oh, cool. This is, you know, I've been to Mexico, so I thought it was awesome that I was in America, and it felt like a Mexican bar, and we sit down, and we get a beer, and then people start looking at us and stuff. And I, and I start getting a creepy feeling like, wait, this isn't, this is like a, almost like a members only or something, or like you, you got to be in the know or work for the head guy or something. And I think the head guy remember, I think he was drunk, came and sat down at our table and talked to us for a minute. And, yeah, and we all got scary. freaked out. Like yeah. this yeah. is like the warlord of the town or something. Cause this is a very small town we were in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, this is how you like really get in trouble. We just goofball idiot just walked into some bar and all of a sudden we are very much outsiders that they don't maybe like. Yeah. He came and talked to us and was really like, he, it was cordial, but it felt like a Quentin Tarantino scene of something. Like he's speaking, he's politely telling you, you yeah. And he's putting off these intimidating vibes, speaking nicely, kind of, but he's drunk and it's like, Oh, I don't know whatever. We just kind of, yeah, back out and just go well not to get too yeah sorry i was gonna say not to get too far from curvin also we had the (laughs) one in texas and this is different this is more of like a joke but we were looking for something to eat at like i don't know 12 31 a.m and nothing's open or whatever we found a little strip mall with an asian joint yeah it was just like an asian restaurant yeah we walk in this will be good we're like oh this is gonna be good we walk in and it's the loudest karaoke music you have ever heard way loud I mean, it is blasting, yes. and there's all these middle-aged, just Asian folks sitting there eating, and they turn all at once. Everybody in the restaurant place. look at us, and the guy comes and, up and goes, "No, no food, <laughs> no food, no, 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 like, no, no, no." And we just this had to leave. They were like, "You are not." <laughs> we were. I thought we were going to be singing karaoke with these folks and eating food. They were <laughs> they not. Just waved us off. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> no chance we were going to be able. To. Sorry, Kevin. No, and and it's those great stories because you start to think about what what you should do in those kind of situations. So you've got this gut feeling. You get in there and you go, "We do not belong here." But there's also a, a diplomatic take you have to get out of there, right? Because you can't walk in, oh. just sit down and go, "Nope, I don't fit in," yeah, and leaving. walk right out and yes. just leave. That's basically like you know, middle finger up to everybody in there, right? Then then you've also got to be cautious about people who you know they'll come up and they seem very friendly and they start asking questions who you are where you're from they're trying to get answers out of you to um to affect the situation to affect you in that situation and Mm -hmm. and especially for you know we're all guys talking here probably take care of ourselves but you know a, a woman a couple of women friends going into a bar in that kind of situation and that's scary that is yeah. scary to anyone. Yeah. I mean, it's scary um, for us. If it would have been women, I don't, I, I would have been, yeah, it, it was intense. So it's always just trying to have that in the back of your mind of no matter where I'm at, uh, first of all, this will, this will sound really dumb, but I don't let myself get comfortable anywhere that I am ever, ever. 
for that situation. Olive Garden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm family Soup there. Salad, so. Yeah, you got to get yeah, comfortable at Olive Garden. When you're at Olive Garden, you're there, you're family. That's a different, <laughs> totally different space. <laughs> but it, it's for it's for that reason, because as soon as you let your guard down and you get comfortable, bad things um, tend to happen around you. So, but I mean, should I, should I be afraid of things? Like I'm not ever really (laughs) afraid that my kids are going to get taken. I I I mean, I live in a small town. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I I get in trouble for, I never lock my car doors and often forget to lock the house. Not often, but there's time. There's been a few times. But I mean, is that actually careless? Like, or, or do you think that's, eh, it depends. So it's. Like you said, you're you're not afraid of anything, and it's not about getting people scared or fearful. Because I yeah. don't honestly believe a lot of people talk about how you know it's so much more dangerous in this time, and I actually think it's safer now than it was thirty, forty years ago mm-hmm. with agree. you know cameras and DNA yeah. testing. And, and I was just talking about it a couple of weeks ago. How there's like no more serial killers. I think they just found one that was pretty prolific, but in recent history, there's really you get to two or three you know, bodies that you found and you find the DNA. So it's not like, don't be afraid, but be aware of your situation. And if you go, well, I don't lock my door. Well, that's because you understand your neighborhood. Um, You, you know, I have cameras, I have an alarm system. I I still lock my car and and lock the house and stuff like that. But there are certain things that I do that are, are probably a little lax maybe than they should be, but it's because I am aware and I understand my surroundings where I'm at. Um, and I wouldn't say like every person is different. So everyone's situation is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I leave a loaded gun out in the middle of the living room. Tell <laughs> if you hear anything, any, I tell my kids and my wife, you hear anything, you go get that you, gun and you start shooting in the air. Uh, I would have loved <laughs> to have seen you guys when, when I was in North Carolina at Fort Bragg, and it was just, a, it was all, we lived in a cul-de-sac of special operations forces. And it was a daily occurrence of going through um, exercises with your own household of, wow. you know, if, if someone breaks right. in, this is what you're going to do. And and you'll see just houses, people running up and down stairs and running through the cul-de-sac to find a safe spot. So it's there. Everyone there was keenly aware that something could happen, even though it was this sort of small town that nothing yeah. ever happened in. Mm-hmm. But they, the people like that have seen the world enough and experienced enough that they think that's what their kids need training wise. Like that's not you don't feel that that's the little creates an unsafe feeling in the children. <laughs> yeah, I do, uh, it's because it's supposed to make you feel safer. Hey, we're yeah. going to go through all this just like you, when you guys rehearse a hundred times before a show mm-hmm. um, that you get that comfortability of it. But it, yeah, it's also what kind of trauma am I putting my kids through telling them, Hey, if somebody comes in, I'm going to pass you, you know, the nine mil, I'm going to take the, the AR 15 and you're going to flank on this side and then get upstairs. Cause you need the high ground. Always. Yeah. Star Wars always taught us. You got to have the high ground. I mean, I think there's a healthy fear, right? I mean, yeah, some fears, healthy, healthy awareness. Like, I yeah, try to like- tell my kids, like we don't really ever talk about, getting abducted but every now and then i go hey if something will happen on a show or something and you know somebody takes a kid i'm like hey if something like if somebody ever comes up to you and and says something to you or tries to grab you 
start kicking, punching, screaming, whatever, you know? So I, I do tell them what to do in an instance yeah. like that, but we don't ever talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's not like a, 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 uh, I don't prepare a conversation. It just kind of occurs naturally. Right. But. And that is the best time. And, and in order right. to do that, it's sort of just to like ask the question. So you see it mm-hmm. ha- taking place on TV. That's a great place because you're in a comfortable zone. Um, nothing's really, really happening to open up the question of, Hey, what do you think you would do in that situation? You know, everything that we say that we would do in a certain situation is not what we're going to do. Um, we're we're going to be we're going to do what our brain tells us to do. And that's whether you are a fight or flight kind of person. But mm-hmm. if you put it into a person's head that, hey, this could happen, it's not plausible, but it's a, you know, two percent chance. So yeah, you think, still have a like, chance. I think like you were saying earlier too, like letting your kids know. Like, uh, Jess was with our oldest, uh, two weeks ago and there was a couple of dudes that were acting a little strange in the parking lot. And then as they were walking to their car, those dudes kind of started coming their way. And I don't think anything would happen, but Jess did a really good job because she said, Hey, listen, I don't know if those guys were actually following us or not. It was just a little bizarre. And I scanned the parking lot and saw them. And you never know. So you don't have to be afraid, but just be aware of your surroundings. Like if you see somebody, just be aware. How close are they getting? Or like you said, you know, what, what question are they asking you questions? Why? And, you know, you know, if you feel you're a little internal alarm going off, be aware mm-hmm. of that and see, you know, how you can get out of the situation. Right. But none of this is going to matter if we all die in nuclear war. Last time so you to, were here to get to that. That's I, I want to say I was. That's thing, what I was doing. Yeah. But the thing <laughs> but, but, the, I mean, I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. But I was I doing mean, it. Yeah, I, I'll I got let you to. make the transition, but I'm saying, um, yeah, I am. Got to soften it a little bit. No, yeah. it's not that. To get to that, that. I, before we go to that, I'm just saying that um, marriagesupply.com. Yeah, no, it's it. um, big old. It's missile. like, <laughs> you know, I like we said here, we're kind of are not typically fearful. We're happy go lucky. People that just kind of bound around in a way that is is like that, and don't I've not ever been a fearful person, and don't really worry about stuff, um, because there's also the thing of not worrying about stuff that you can't control. Yeah, like and so, you know, I don't even want to open myself to worrying about nuclear war, (laughs) like on some level or something like that. So I don't even know why I should like. I, um, to be, I mean, I wanted to say this cause I told Toby this the other day on the phone, but to be honest, I've never worried about stuff in my life. But the other day, um, you know, cause we use cannabis and stuff sometimes, right. Yeah. The, and yeah. I've never been, I've just never been a fearful, fearful person. But the other day I, for whatever reason was just kind of, I was high. It was before the sober October I was doing and I wound up in this paranoid state that I just have never been and I felt really fearful in a way that I never have before. And it manifested in a few ways. The first one's very funny. It was like, I began to worry if maybe I'm wrong and there is such a thing as hell and I am going to it. And I've never worried <laughs> about that in my life. Okay. Never once, but until the other day. And I felt afraid or like, maybe I've made a great miscalculation. I was just out on some really mental place that I don't normally go. And then I woke up a couple nights later. Um, and, uh, 
now I've been doing sober October, so maybe it's an adjustment anyway. I woke up a couple of nights later and thought, oh, I definitely have CTE and my brain is dead. I started having hypochondriac <laughs> things or I had a headache. I thought that my, and I started seeing this whole future and it was really out of control feeling. And then the, and the next day, um, I started seeing a bunch of news about nuclear war and stuff. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I had to get ready for it. It's happening now. And it's yeah. like, I, I've never had any of those thoughts and I had all of them very recently and it's like i don't need to watch the news i don't need to look at twitter or, or any of this stuff so that actually is the pretext for me it's like should i even be worried like i don't i'm you know i have a weird i don't even know if it's good to be afraid of like i don't know so it's like how do we is there, it good to even spend yeah. time thinking about that kind of thing well there is a part of me too that and like toby i mean we joke about it all the time but lately like you said it hasn't been i didn't i didn't honestly the first first time start worrying about something but i like when we talk about nuclear war all the time there's every now and then there'll be a little blip on the radar of like yeah wait is this real it's like yeah it's one of those little blips where i like dip into yeah, like yeah. dark reality real quick and then i'm back so i i, I noticed that's occurred more regularly <laughs> you know what i mean but like wait I, what am i gonna do what are we gonna do like you know so i, I do know. i do think that's healthy though um, yeah. not, it's not healthy to be in fear all the time. Um, obviously. And, and it's really not healthy to be watching the news and, and reading the news as much as I do, or as much as the average American does. Um, but you can use that fear. Your brain can use that fear to keep you safe. And I do want to calm everybody down because, uh, you know, Russia using nuclear weapons in Ukraine does not constitute nuclear annihilation. Um, the, the type of weapons that Russia is going to use in Ukraine, if they would, which I don't think is smart, would be uh, these low yield tactical nuclear munitions. And those are specifically for tactical pieces, military equipment, military bases. It is to be used in war against other um, soldiers and, and that kind of stuff. So. Is very low impact to the civilian population if it's used, um, if it hits its intended target. Now, what we've seen with these bombardments of Kiev and, and various cities in Ukraine recently is these munitions don't always make, they don't always hit their target. And they destroy civilian populations. It's going to be very tough if a tactical nuclear missile misses a, an intended military site and hits a civilian population and does the kind of damage that happened in Japan when the U.S. did it, it's going to be very difficult for the U.S. and NATO to say, we're still going to stay out of this and just support Ukraine with equipment and more money. That's going to be almost impossible to do because the entire world is going to look at that and, and be outraged and be upset and be disgusted by it. Um, but it, is, it does not constitute... The U.S. using our nuclear arsenal on Russia because they did that. It's going to be more conventional weapons. Well, the thing that I've been. OK, so one. I don't totally understand the whole narrative of this, so that's why I feel a little ignorant about it. It, it seems to me that Russia wants a couple of uh, parts of Ukraine back. That is that right? That. That, so that was that was the initial uh, deception from Putin was I just want these few little Ukrainian spots um, 
now he played i'll go away or something like he he was yeah and and he overplayed it because immediately as they invaded they started to go in kiev which is the capital of ukraine and they tried to install their own puppet government um, because the actual intent is and this is why i i do push back a lot on reports that say well if we would just give if if Ukraine would just give those Russian, mainly Russian populated areas of Ukraine back to Russia, everything will be fine because it won't be. Because after that, they will continue to move through Ukraine until they have all of, of Ukraine. Then they're going to move into Moldova. Then they're going to start hitting other countries. They're going to go as far as they can go, just like your kid would uh, as try to go as far as they can go until you tell them no. And then you become more forceful with them. Poland, so, Germany, he, he wouldn't yep. stop. He's not he's not going to stop. I was in Poland in, in 2018 as overt anti-Russian aggression, because before even Ukraine happened, Poland thought that they were the next country. Um, and now Poland's got Belarus, Belarus putting their soldiers on the border of Poland. Um, and they've got Russia coming in and adding to those troops. So the Polish people are very aware and they understand that this Putin has to be stopped and the Russian military needs to go back and and go back into Russia and just deal with what, you know, deal with the Russian economy, deal with Russian politics and leave the rest of the world out of it. So why is, why is he doing this now? Like, cause he's been in power for a long time and I know he's done some, you know, terrible things, you know, the, like, didn't he, I mean, they don't know for sure, but like, even like had some journalists potentially, killed or something like that and you know i mean and that's just some people i know he's probably done more behind the scenes but it seems like what you're saying here is if he can get other countries and put them in the fold he's going to that which sounds like he would never stop if nobody stopped him and still is like is he just trying to dominate the world become the supreme leader or something or what well why now he has said um and he said this in february before the invasion even happened that um, he made a speech and he sort of talked about how um, Russia needs to return to its glory from the Soviet Union. And so that's what he's trying to get the the Soviet Federation back to the power it was before, um, you know, at the height of the Cold War, when Russia did have all this land and, yeah. and they were one of the biggest powers in, in the world. And he specifically said he specifically called out Finland. He said that when when Finland was given back to Europe, that that was one of the biggest mistakes that ever happened. Um, And that was the moment that Finland said, well, we need to join NATO because if we can get into NATO, that kind of protects us. At least if we're attacked, we have the full backing of all these NATO countries to help us. It's crazy because when I see him speak on television. He's very persuasive. Like he's very intelligent. He has a really good way of speaking. It, I mean, I guess that's just how somebody like Hitler and people, you know, they just take powers because they're just so persuasive. And I know there's a lot of probably Russian people who are anti-Putin too, but you know, obviously he's got power for a reason. So it's just crazy to see him work. Yeah. And also, also, doesn't he have like, but doesn't he have potentially life-threatening cancer or something like that? Uh, I, I mean, gonna... there's there's so much like misinformation or just regular information out there. It's tough to know, yeah. you know, what it's tough to know even who he is as a person. 
I mean, he went before the invasion started in Ukraine. He went to each world leader and sat with them. If you remember that huge table where he was on one side and was like two miles the other way. And there's like Macron from France just sitting there. And he specifically persuaded all of these world leaders that he wasn't going to do it. And they all believed him. Every single one left that table and went to their people and said, he is not going to do it. Uh, I can't trust the guy, but I am persuaded by him. And that's exactly how he did it. That's, that's how he stays in power. So will he not just use those nuclear weapons, at least in Ukraine though, because he, he's going to have to do something here. And it's bizarre because I think, I feel like from the American side, um, it almost seems like go Ukraine, you're doing it. You're going to, you're fighting back against the bully and the bad guy and you're going to win. And, you know, and we're sending Ukraine, America is sending them weapons and supplies and everything. And that has to be pissing off Russia on some level. Right. And then, uh, and then didn't they do So my question is, what if, doesn't Putin just go, oh, well, y'all think I'm a fool or y'all are, y'all are just going to do this. Or the, you know, the American media says I'm weak and bad and terrible and we're nothing. And our military scared and they're turning on me. I mean, doesn't he just, he does just drop some nukes, right? Don't get in a land war anymore. Like just go ahead and destroy somebody. Yeah. He's kind of, he's putting that plan in motion. Um, I was telling, I had a, a journalist contact me and, and ask me about the tactical tactical nuclear weapons. And I kind of put it as a 50 50 that he would actually use tactical nuclear weapons on, on Ukraine because there are smarter ways to do it. But um you know, over the last couple of years, Russia changed their uh, sort of their nuclear constitution on what would va- what would allow them to properly use nuclear weapons on an enemy. And that was if the Russian state felt as if it was under attack of complete destruction with con- with nuclear weapons or conventional weapons. And that was put in place just before this invasion. And it, it was kind of Russia setting setting the table of, well, if you hit us, even with a conventional weapon and you start killing our citizens, we're going to use nuclear weapons on you. But it, once he claims cities in Ukraine are Russian, then even to exactly. take them back is attacking Russia. And then you can use nuclear weapons by the, like that. That sounds like a, a setup to me. Yes. Yeah, it definitely was, yeah. you know, takes back those areas um, and, and you're viewing it 100 percent correctly of how an intelligence analyst is seeing all of this stuff. It's okay. You say one thing and now the next action directly coincides with what you said, you know, two months ago and you start seeing this pattern and you understand, you identify it. Um, So we've got those areas that, that Russia claims they did a referendum, which the U S called a sham referendum. um, And they've, so they've claimed these areas of Ukraine. Now, Ukraine has been doing a counteroffensive in some of those areas. So they are attacking those areas. At any moment, Russia can say, well, hell, you're, you're killing our own people. We're going to have to do something. Now, with Nuclear as self-defense at that point. Right. Claim, so what, not what they're doing right, right now is using conventional weapons. They're doing what they should have done back in February, not to give any of them any advice, but this should have happened in February, March. 
they're a little cocky going in. They thought they'd come right in, be embraced by the Ukrainian people, and they weren't. So now they're doing shock and awe, which is just throwing as many projectiles on major cities as they can and, and destroying. So they're destroying, you know, all these military locations around all these different cities. Um, they're hitting hospitals and schools and, and things of that nature. But it's just using conventional weapons. And I think that if he continues to do that, the, the Ukrainian morale is going to go way down. They just got all these wins that the counter they did this counteroffensive in um, in in Kharkiv that no one knew was going to happen. They kept talking about a counteroffensive to start off in Kherson. And they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fight back against the Russians here. They started to do this counteroffensive. And then all of a sudden, one day we wake up and they're moving through this other city that Russia had just taken over. And, and it kind of surprised Russia. And they had to take a step back. And that's when we saw Putin said, we're not going to do this land war anymore. We're just going to start throwing projectiles. Wow. So it wouldn't be crazy, and you've got it at 50-50, that he will be backed into a corner, or even more than backed into a corner, just I don't know for what reason, but have a justification to use a nuclear weapon that isn't so crazy. Like, it'll seem like self-defense, so, so maybe that won't trigger an escalation. Like, maybe he can get away with yep. using one without triggering ex escalation would be the move. That's what he wants. He wants this 24-hour news cycle that everybody is in. Um, we see it on a on a day-to-day -day basis in the U.S., right? You, the school gets shot up, and for a day, a week maybe, everyone's up in arms. Let's get rid of all the weapons, people giving their weapons back, and then the news cycle is over. And we've done nothing to fix it except for yell back and forth. That's what he's hoping for. He is hoping, I'm going to use a tactical nuke. It is going to hit a military site completely annihilate the Ukrainian military and then break their days, will break, be yeah, the result. Break, break their will. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much I would stand if I knew that, Oh, this might happen again. Um, and then it's not even the initial blast that does the most damage. It is the, you know, the radiation that comes out and you start to get sick and, and all these things kind of happen. As a as a commander, are you going to be able to get your troops into those locations? Um, that's going to be a tough sell for people. And then the world goes, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that they used it. I can't believe they did that. We're going to have to do something. And before we have a chance to put everybody together, get the alliances formed and do something, the news cycle is over and we're on to the next thing that happened. Oh, by the way, that next thing could be China going into Taiwan. And then what are we going to do when that happens? Yeah, and China and Russia are kind of buddies, right? Like yeah. th those two powers definitely don't like uh, like America as much as I mean, maybe they don't even trust each other necessarily, but they are seem like they're cohorts in a way. Yeah, I mean, Putin went uh, so the the Olympics were in China, you know, this past Olympics, and Putin went and sat with President Xi and told him. No one actually knows what the conversation was that they had, but. You basically see what happened. He, in my opinion, went there, told Xi, hey, after these after the Olympics, I'm not going to mess with your Olympics. I'm going to invade Ukraine. I need your support. And so China began to message this pro-Russian message right after that. And that's wow. 
they, they do that because these alliances are starting to form. And so China needs Russia as much as Russia needs China. So once China identifies that it is the right time, they are going to get in. They're going to go into Taiwan and hope the same thing kind of happens that happened with Russia, Ukraine. Everybody's up in arms, pushing all of our weapons, but no actual military support to any of these locations. And they can just run roughshod over, you know, all of Taiwan, get get into there. And basically, they consider Taiwan China. So they're just saying, this isn't an invasion because this is our land. We're just trying to protect our own land from a U.S. invasion. Right. And then if we do anything, they feel they could justify any retaliation. Right. And so go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to go from here. Then the real scary stuff is the game theory of escalation and first strike. I mean, the, the scary yeah. stuff is like, like, like you said earlier, the if, the, if he starts using missiles and if they hit the military bases, then the rest of the world, like America and it will go, well, that you can tell what he was doing. And that was on some level acceptable, even though it's horrible or whatever, it's acceptable right. because you, that's a, a military move. But you're saying if it was off or if he like just bombed regular folks, then you think the world has to take a stand and do something against Russia or does I it think escalate both, like that? I think both of them, the world. So I, I said from the moment of the invasion, the world needs to take a stand and, and do something. Yeah. This could have, uh, this could have been a lot shorter if everybody would have just gotten involved and done something. Um, however, if he's using tactical nuclear weapons, the the world will have to do something. But that does not mean go tit for tat and say, you use nukes, we're going to use nukes and have a complete, you know, everybody's fear is that World War Three is going to be just an entire nuclear annihilation. And so that that messaging gets out there to try to de-escalate what is going on. But that is like it, the worst case scenario is possible where thousands of nukes are exchanged in a day, right? Yeah. Across our countries, across, you know, like in hours, they hit. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, in their thousands of nuclear weapons aimed at thousands of sites, both directions. And we both if one if you if we saw 30 nukes coming our way, we're going to launch, aren't we? Yep. Yeah, we will we will launch our, you know, missile defense systems to try to um, to hit those missiles before they have a chance to impact. And we'll also launch our own, you know, once it's confirmed. Now, uh, a really interesting thing that uh, that I learned about Russia is that. So, you know, in the in the U.S., the president says. Do you know? You're going to do the nukes, make make that happen. Um, and in Russia for Putin, if I'm understanding what, what I was being told, they don't have that. You know, it has to go. You know, they have multiple people who control that. And in order to launch it, that person actually has to agree to it. It's sort of like a military leader that has to agree that the repercussions of that are less than what the reward would be for using it. So they are our fail-safes in Russia for that. So we're not just talking about, oh, Putin's going to use it. 
you would have to make mm-hmm. a, a very compelling argument that it needed to be done. But then you group that with how compelling a Vladimir Putin can be to people. Mm-hmm. So I, I still say it's a 50-50 shot now. A, an entire nuclear annihilation is possible, but I don't consider it probable. Um, you're, you're not saying nuclear annihilation of the world is 50-50. No, I'm I'm talking just nuclear <laughs> just weapons. A, a, a use of a device. Yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't right. sound very good. No, but the, but the use of a device. <laughs> but I'm saying if it escalate, like uh, you know, there's the concept of mutually assured destruction. So if Putin said, "Well, I'm going to send one to D.C. and New York as a first strike," that would probably be his suicide too, oh, right? It would because we be a so so that that he shouldn't do that. But if he's a 70 year old man with cancer that's pissed off. I don't know what's possible to happen or he's delusional or mentally. I mean, who knows, you know, if, or what those powers are. Um, but you know, so there's some of those things that are like, like if they did a bad enough nuclear strike that we thought we need to just nuke, you know, the three major cities in Russia that some people would say, that's what we should do just to oh, end yeah, it. There's, but that, there's that might not people. end it, you know, no, and and there will be survival from it, you know. If, if that worst case, that is the worst case scenario that could ever happen, um, but people will survive from it. Um, but it will not. A lot of those people will not be the ones that made the decision to use the actual weapons, um, because those sites those sites are going to get hit. You know, there there are bunkers and stuff that could protect leaders in in that situation. But we're we're talking about mass chaos in every country, everywhere. Um, it's a complete collapse of society, and we'd have to restart society. Um, and so, as you know, somebody who's a history buff, thinking of restarting restarting society, how would that work out? You know, what are we going to do? Has this happened before? Way back, ancient ancient world of a complete annihilation and having to restart civilization um but as like i said as as of right now that is well it is possible i put it very low on the things that could happen now so matt, matt would get hit first right matt you would get hit first where if russia shot missiles at us who gets hit first because i think Devin and i in central illinois we might be okay i think we i think we just get a little bit warmer weather uh, they call the uh the midwest the flyover <laughs> states yeah no one wants no <laughs> yeah. one goes there yeah, not even missile. I mean, maybe Chicago. But I mean, but a, a nuclear weapon to DC is that is that, possible. That, that you is live possible. in DC. I mean, it is possible. I don't know if you've got that sub one percent. Uh, I would put it under. Oh, so DC, yeah. I would probably put it at one percent. Seattle, Washington, less less than one yeah. percent. Well, I think one percent um, is very high for, yeah. for such. Yeah. I mean, I call consider that quite high. Given and the, scary, you know, yeah. I mean, but we're also, be, I mean, there'd be no higher feeling than pushing that button. Oh my God. Can you believe that? Like imagine you're Putin or something like that. And you know, when you push the button, well, it's probably not a button. They probably have other things. To <laughs> I'm still in the phone. It's a football the they carry that it's like, a, right. The, what yeah, is the, the device, device that we have? Yeah. It's just this um, button, and, this. and then it's, you know, there's, Push. I, it's highly classified the the kind of stuff that goes on in these in the nuclear sites for the US um but you know it's basically like using keys and and that kind of stuff in order 
to launch. Oh, and there's a yeah. lot that goes in to to all of that stuff. But a lot of and, the windows of times if it breaks out are less than 15 minutes for decision making and intel. It's like we got 15 minutes to decide. Yep. Of what we're going to do. Yeah, because there's inbound, right? Yeah. It's very much like if you watch the 80s movie um, War Games, yeah. where they almost started a, a nuclear war because this computer kind of tapped into their um, sort of their wargaming nuclear arsenal, where it was showing that Russia was sending, uh, in this height of the Cold War in the 80s, Russia sending over nuclear weapons to the U.S., and they've got to come up with this decision, and everybody is just racking their brain. Do we, do we launch? Yeah, launch, launch our nukes so that we can hit them before we're annihilated. Um, and then others going, well, we have to identify if this is actually happening or if it's a glitch somewhere and all that is is going is going to go on and that goes into war gamings and exercises of how you're going to react in that sort of situation how do you identify that it's actually happening and then what is the proper course of action after that that's all written in standard operating procedures and we hope it never happens hope it never comes to that but you don't always practice and exercise to what you hope isn't going to happen. You actually do the opposite of, you know, you're you're going to war game that thing, the worst case scenario. Because if you can survive that worst case scenario, then you're, if you go back to less worst case scenarios, you can kind of, um, you can kind of survive all of those. But why are we not then, like, that's not the type of way we want to try to have to handle this why isn't the threat level high enough or there's weapons technologies that we don't know about that the world could conspire that we're it's like local assassination attempts with hyper intelligence and drones and some technology I don't know about to poison to kill Putin. Why is that are we trying? <laughs> do we have I mean, I mean it's so, aren't there enough people to try to do that that could pull something like that off? Uh, CIA is world renowned for, you know, killing dictators and installing their own um leaders and it hasn't always worked out the best there as evil as putin is there is for sure a high probability that there is someone worse than him in his own inner circle Mm -hmm. that could Mm -hmm. be installed as president um there's probably somebody who is right next to him saying you should just throw the nukes now we don't care anymore do it and that person could be installed and then you're talking about an even worse scenario that happens because so, the, because they would we would have just assassinated their leader so then yep. it's a less skilled uh politician less skilled dictator in with a total vengeance then so even if we, yep. it's not like everybody go oh, thank god the crazy guy's gone let's just chill yeah and and then in this day of information people will even if it's let's say putin is assassinated the first thought is going to be the U.S. did it. I mean, that's everyone's first thought. So even if it's true or not, the people of Russia are going to see that. And that's going to be the first thing that they mm-hmm. identify. The U.S. just assassinated our leader who has a 90% plus approval rating. If you is that believe right? The, if, if you believe the polls oh, in my. Russia, um, which, I mean, I would vote yes if somebody had a gun to my head. Um, and I said, hey, what's your approval of this guy? <laughs> right, but you, you've got so the entire media is state run so the Russian mm-hmm. media is pushing out the US did this and and getting into the heads of their people and that becomes the narrative 
And now we've just, we killed this guy. They've installed a new leader and it's all about retaliation. So what we would want is a prop. We want to make propaganda to make them want to overthrow that or not support him. But I mean, yeah, it's not working, we can, but we can run probably campaigns, um, which would tell, you know, put out information, whether it's disinformation or not about Putin or about, you know, sort of like the cancer information, which which yeah. hasn't 100 percent been verified. You know, you tell the people, well, he's got cancer. He's dying anyway. You, you should probably try to install someone different. These yeah. things are in the works. And, and th- these are kind of things that are happening. But we're also going against uh, a government that is very good at pushing a narrative, very good about identifying the right narrative to push out and give it to their people. Is that, so are then they, you're going to. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Just one more thing. You'll have to counteract every one of you know, their pieces of information with your own and hope it doesn't unravel at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, both sides have spies probably too, right? Like there's oh, 100%. I mean, there's a, yeah, an undercover spy over there right now. Probably, probably in your neighborhood. Yeah. But, but uh, oh, I'm saying I've got probably over, all over Russia, the place, but in Russia too, right? I mean, yep. Russia has them here yeah. and we have them there and like is listening to Putin and is working for us. That's crazy. It'd be so scary to have that. I don't know how you do that, how you keep your heart rate. And how do you, I mean, what you see and what you do. I mean, they have to be, it has to be so insane. And everything you do is under scrutiny. Um, and usually they go out under a cover. Um, if it's a place like Russia, you, you kind of want to identify someone who is, who has a Russian background. They have to speak fluently they have to come off as if they are a russian person and and then it becomes very scary because you you start to infiltrate these government sites and you be, you befriend people and you have you start a family there and all of these pieces get put together and you are a moment away from being revealed as a spy which either gets you in prison for for years until we can come up with something to get you out or it's death. Uh, oh, and be, maybe it's easier to turn somebody that's already there. Yeah, that goes on as well. So you have like double agents, mm-hmm. you know, when, a, when, a, mm-hmm. when you identify who a person, who an agent is and you understand that if you can under, if you can identify that they are only there for money, they don't care about anything else. It's not about love of country or, being a nationalist or a patriot or anything like that it it's easier to say well if we pay you twice of what the u.s or of what russia is paying would you spy for us a lot of times they yeah i 100 will do that but you've got to identify that early on you you right. can't seek somebody out who has a high sense of patriotism for their country and then attempt to get them to double cross their own country that becomes more difficult. So what is your forecast on how this ever ends or how long is this permanent state of this tension long term? Or do we have, is there a possible? Yeah, end? What's the end game with Russia and Ukraine? Like, What do you think is going to happen? So it's very interesting right now with the bombardments that are going on in, in Kiev. And I, I can see a scenario where that demoralizes the Ukrainian military. And Russia can begin to do what they did back in March, April timeframe, which was go into Kiev and set up their own 
government in order to com- have complete control of that com- of that country. Um, now, along that's probably a year away, but um, what happens in the next year as that's going on is China's identifying how they're going to get into Taiwan and how they're going to play that scenario out because they would love to go into to Taiwan completely take it over no you know just have the taiwanese fight against them and in 2 months 3 months like russia hoped for take back the island of taiwan and not have any anybody come after them but the us has quite a few allies in japan australia countries like that that are fearful of that happening that will force the us's hand into getting involved in sort of that conflict if uh, Japan, Australia, South Korea, and the U.S. get involved with China, you're going to see World War III happen. Um, it's not going to be nuclear World War III, but it is going to be. Uh, th- so this is how I identify World War III, and it's probably different from a lot of people. All that is is multiple countries fighting against each other along multiple battlefields. So you will have Russia fighting in Europe. China fighting with North Korea and Asia um, and Iran helping out. So it's that sort of scenario that goes on. And then the U.S. NATO have to get involved in all of those countries. Um, I, I do think in that scenario, you have a World War III for a couple of years. Um, the hope is the West wins that. They, they get China and Russia to stand down and we get back to normal lives. You're looking three to five years to be back to what maybe a normal life could be. And that might be without totally oh. crushing them. Like they survive. It's not a Germany or a Japan. It's not like the end of World War II. It's less severe of an end. Like, Or does it? will it result in one side or the other crippling the other? I, I think it's less than that. Um, I think economically. So China still understands that economically they're not a superpower yet, but that's what they want to be. Um, and, and I do think if they get into this this a battle with Taiwan, with the U.S. and Australia, going in on that, the risk reward then comes into to, to thought of Xi. And he says, well, the reward is far too low to risk our entire economic collapse. So the pullback. Um, but then that then recycles this yeah. sort of scenario. You, two, three decades down the line. Like if they claim Taiwan and Ukraine and we all go, look, y'all just need to make a peace talk. Let them have Ukraine. Let them have Taiwan. Let's not. Then the threat still remains. Like it just, it might be quiet for a while, but. Right. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely, I mean, this is what happened with Russia when they went into, uh, went into Georgia, when they went into Crimea. Um, It was basically, they went in, everybody said, well, this is terrible. What are we going to do? Nothing. They took it over, and we had a few years where nothing happened. And Russia was actually highly viewed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as a as an economy and as a country. But it was always set in motion. Those were the pieces that were set in motion. It's kind of what we talk about when we say, I'm, I'm trying to gain intel about this person or this, this country. How do you do that? Well, you do some actions and see how they react to it. And you can identify how they're going to react further down the line. And that's all 
Putin is doing. That's all Xi is doing in, in China. He keeps running, he's pushing. It's not him personally, but he's the president. So I'll, I'll call that out. And North Korea is not on any side or anything. Oh, they are definitely on. Um, so, so they are supported by Russia and China. Um, oh, they're okay. economically supported. They're supported with munitions. And that's, I mean, that's a whole nother probably Wild three card, or huh? four. Yeah. It's, they continue to uh, be more provocative in what they're doing with munitions. And they're about to do a nuclear test. This would be the, I think the seventh nuclear test of North Korea. And they hadn't done it in a while. But they're seeing what's going on in the realm of geopolitics or around the globe. And they've identified, well, we can keep doing this because everybody's focused on Russia. Everybody's worried about China. Um, first of all, you know, Kim Jong is saying, I want to be back in the limelight. You know, I, I want to be in all the news stories. But I also don't want conflict, direct conflict right now. So he's just doing sort of these pop shots and he's being more and more provocative because he understands, well, the, the rest of the world isn't going to do anything to North Korea. So we've got to worry about Russia first. We've got to worry about China next. And he's definitely using that to his benefit. Damn it. All right. Let me give a listener question. Then we got to pay a couple of bills. Okay. Um, this comes from Josh Raji. Raji or Raji. I think it's Raji. Um, I was listening to, this week explained on their one year anniversary episode. And one of the questions was from Matt Carter, followed by a tease that Kervin's going to come on. So, uh, I wanted to ask this question. He says, Kervin seems like a very even killed and Kervin seems very even killed and realistic about current events. And even despite that, it seems like most events are quite negative, even through his legitimate attempt at a balanced filter. I wonder if there is anything that gives him cause for optimism. Come on, that, that is a great, great question. Um, also, I, Matt, thank you for the, the comment that you gave us. That was incredible. Um, really appreciated that. But um, and inviting me back on the show. Um, so things that make me feel more positive. I'm I will say I am seeing a lot more people identify that the news is pushing narratives and they are trying to figure out. You know, they're identifying what those narratives are and they're trying to push back against them. Why do I think that that's positive? It's because it, at least in in the U.S. And, and even the Western and Western Europe, we have become so angry and hateful towards each other, um, towards our neighbors, towards people we haven't even met. We'll go on Twitter and just troll people for for no reason. And I'm seeing a lot less of that. I'm seeing a lot of people be more interested in what's going on in the world. Um, not just because it affects them, but because they don't want to see, you know, they don't want to see people suffering in the world. So what I am, what I am enjoying seeing is these positive news stories that are coming up um, and sort of people identifying that, it's not all bad. The, globally, it looks really bad, but when you localize it in your own community, you get involved in your own community, you can make a difference. And then that difference spreads throughout, you know, you, you can spread it through the U.S. And, and into other parts of the world. So that is a positive thing that's happening right now that I would like to see continued. And, and maybe 
we're going to see new leadership come up in recent in in the next few years that is going to be less hateful um less authoritative and dictatorship and it'll be this these younger generations that are are going to be more positive and they're not going to win based off of how much mud they can sling to towards the other person but by the good that they do in their community and by the good that they do in the world that's what we're we're trying to do with this week explained is yeah it's all bad news um but i want to put out i want to identify what bad is going on so that we're not ha- we don't have our heads in the sand so that when it happens you're aware of it and you understand why it happened and a solution towards it um so it. yeah i think i think we should all be uh, we should all be identifying the news as a propaganda machine if you think your the news that you watch is not propaganda then you should probably stop watching that one because they've already gotten to you. Um, And and just identify these good news stories that people around the world are doing good. Emory's going on a cruise guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's one good thing. I mean, it'll probably sink. (laughs) What if we're on the cruise and nuclear (laughs) war happens now? Okay. And you're safe. We're safe. Yeah. Let's save that question. I, have, yeah. I, I let's save that question. Uh, we we we'll have to go to part two here in a minute, Kermit. We'd love for you to stay for part two if you if you will, because I want to I want to map out the exact plan of how to survive. Yeah, my, back to the MRE conversation. The yeah, I, I, yeah, like what's the first thing I do? You talk about fifteen minutes, or whatever. But let's let's uh go over our list here real quick. If you haven't got your ticket for songs and stories, they're on sale right now. We are going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, on November eighteenth. Louisville, Kentucky on November 19th and Dayton, Ohio on November 20th. And I'm telling you, these tickets are selling fast. Uh, is They're going to sell out. So you better get your ticket yeah. ASAP if you want to come see Devin and I sing some, some just some beautiful stuff. I talked to JT today. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. The Dayton one's at. Because it's going to be at their his, coffee house. Yeah, their coffee house. JT from Hawthorne Heights. songs with us or something. And there's no ticket fees on that. Ain't no ticket master. What no, you get, see is yeah. what you get, and that's the money comes to, you know, to us. Yeah. So. Feel good about that if you've been looking up Blink-182 tickets. <laughs> uh, also, it's the season for custom songs. We've gotten several and working on those. Uh, we actually have a bunch. So, once again, these are going to sell out. We can only write so many. They make the perfect gift for Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving. Do people ever give gifts on Thanksgiving? I guess food, but you could give a custom song. Or what if it is the end of the world? Don't you want to be listening to your own personal Emory song <laughs> as you see the mushroom cloud exactly. out, you know, out there? On- Think about how beautiful that would be. Listening to the song as it all. Kind oh, of that would just be end. so awesome. You, your favorite band, they wrote a song for you about your life and the mushroom clouds on the way. And you're just like, well, I mean, if I had to go, you know, you're drinking a nice uh, bottle true. of wine. I mean, it's that that's actually pretty cool. Uh, all you got to do is send in some uh, stuff about your life or even some lyrics you've written. And uh, we'll write a song for you or that special person you love. You go to emorymusic.com to order it. Uh, also, started a new podcast called Sex 101, and it is dope. Dr. Stormy's on there, Dr. Stormy Hill, and she's just amazing. We take listener questions. If you haven't listened to it yet, it was a it was a bonus episode on uh, It's All Over last Friday. So just go back uh, one episode, and you'll see it. Um it turned out great. I'm so excited about this podcast, but we take listener questions. Uh, we've already gotten several, but you can email 
your questions um, to hello at emorymusic.com. And also you're asking you shall receive for this podcast as well. I have a bunch of them and we still haven't gotten to them. We'll get to them soon. Um, so send your asking you shall receive or your sex questions to hello at emorymusic.com. That'll get to me and Stormy or here on this podcast. Or you can click the link in the bio and you'll be able to record a message and send to us that we can play on air. So you can actually record your voice in this day and age. You this can age. you can actually just record your voice and it be sent to us for all eternity. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, once, uh, once again, obviously, marriage supply. We all know marriage can be rough. You know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't always, you know, it, it, and the it's unpredictable. it's unpredictable, but you know what isn't that 10% discount you get at marriage supply.com so with the code all over, because I'm telling you, if, if the bombs are dropping and the ship's going down, you might as well be vibrating. You might as well be <laughs> lubed up. And if you're not, that's the, what do you, I mean, an MRE, yeah, that might last for a day, but Mayor Supply Lube, that'll get you through the oh. whole nuclear winter. I mean, good luck the, getting you only a need vibrator a dab, a dab will do you. during the civil, civilizational yeah. reset. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have it before the civilization oh. resets, it's going to be hard to find. Toby's just waiting on his train to come in, you know, as far as money, but that's going to yeah. be the ticket. The civilization reset, the dildo. <laughs> shortage I'll be, oh yeah and i will have all the i'll be the king of the dildo you'll have them all <laughs> you'll be the king a dildo lord a dildo lord <laughs> instead of a warlord a dildo lord a dildo lord <laughs> dildo lord uh also uh if you haven't please join uh the emory land you get we just put out our brand new oh, just today um covers ep that is just so good chris keen sings on the song it's a mashup i don't want to give it away you can get it right now if you're in Emeryland, you got those songs right now you got our ep and it's awesome not out to the public right now i don't know when it will be or if it will be Can we play one on part two or is that illegal uh, no we can do whatever we want yeah maybe we'll play a song on part two. i mean we don't have to i was so, just curious we i mean like you still have to join Emeryland to get <laughs> that's what i'm saying you still gotta do <laughs> they, they, yeah they already have it we can play one on here we can but, play a clip yeah, but yeah we can play out. one rolling out of this episode all right so let's, rolling let's out of this that. episode we'll play one here in just a minute so uh Listen to it the and then join us on part two with Curvin so you can actually yes. find out your survival yeah. tips. Yeah. But that's what Emeryland's about. It's about you get part two of the podcast yeah. here. You get here. all the other stuff that's Emeryland exclusive and think of it as a tip. If you've yeah. been listening this long, you know, think of it yeah. as just support for the things we do. It helps when times are tough. It helps. Trust me. <laughs> Um, also you get your name read on, you get, you get part due, you get Emory's catalog, you get Emory new music, new music Mondays, and then you get your name read on this podcast. Oh yes, You know what I'm saying? And, uh, this way it just so happened, I guess they knew Curvin was coming on that, uh, they, you know, folks, when we read their names, they give little tidbits about themselves or whatever they like. Um, and this week they actually sent in their favorite Russian cuss word. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, right, I got the names. Kervin, maybe you can help me if I, I don't know if you know, uh, any of these or can help me pronounce them right. But, uh, so, uh, Devin, you're reading the names? Yeah, I can read okay. the names. Matthew Williams. His favorite Russian cuss word is Svolak, which means scum. Okay. Svolak. 
Ian Shive. Perhot Patsalupanaya. That's a pretty bad Russian accent, I think. No, it's good. It, it means it means pee hole dandruff. <laughs> pee hole dandruff. Pee hole dandruff. Okay. Okay. Neil Price. Gavano. Gavno. It might be Gavno. It means shit. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Because you know, you know what I thought was guano is bat. Oh, yeah. Shit. Guano. It reminded me of guano. <laughs> All right. Joseph Meadows. Uh, Yobano Dino, D-N-O, Dino, no. Uh, it means the fucking bottom. It means uh, your life can't go any worse and you've hit rock bottom. Nice. Yobano Dino. I nice. getting that tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> you got a Russian, Russian or, Hey, what does that mean? You hit rock I, bottom. That's so cool. What's that? Is that Russian? What does that mean? Fucking bottom. <laughs> All right, last one. Mike Cansino. Oh, Mike Cansino. Oh, Mike Cansino. Congratulations on your yeah. recent marriage. Yeah. He has two of them. Hul and Zopa. I think it might have to do with his marriage. Dick and ass. Nice. What those those words mean. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hit roll this song. Y'all name that tune. Love it. Yeah. Live it. Join Emory. Join Land. Emory Land. Get this one. This track for you can get it right away along with three other um, equally awesome ones. Come, and we'll see y'all in part, part two. two.